Welcome to A-Minder, a podcast where we summarize the latest publications on neurodegenerative disease research so that you can stay up to date with the newest findings. Every month, our team of scientists will sort and organize the titles into themes and present shortened versions of the abstracts. We'll make sure to mention the title, the journal, the first author, and the last author for each publication. Whether you're in the lab, on the bus, or cooking your meal, we hope you find this podcast helpful. Hello, everyone, and welcome to today's episode of A-Minder. This episode is the next installment of our novel drug development for AD episodes, covering papers published in June 2020. This includes drugs that target tau signaling, the cholinergic system, microglia, metabolism, oxidative stress, and autophagy. And I'm Ellen Kosh, your host today. Considering the last episode was all about amyloid beta, this episode is much more diverse. But if you are interested in new drugs that are being developed to target amyloid beta in AD, I recommend checking that episode out too, which was just released in early September, and it's called New Drugs Targeting Amyloid Beta. We also have a few episodes on preclinical testing as well as clinical testing that were released recently, so those also may catch your interest, and I recommend checking them out. Back to today's episode. We had a couple of people who contributed to summarizing the abstracts that you'll hear, which is really a hugely important part of our podcast and a lot of work. Thank you to Joseph and Maharaz for your great work on that. Along with the summaries that you'll hear today, we also have a time-stamped bibliography of all the papers. We have this for all of our episodes, so I recommend checking it out. And you can check this out by contacting us or by following the link in the show notes. Now, on to the episode. Here goes! We'll start with five papers on targeting tau in the treatment of AD. The first paper is titled Crystal Structure of a Conformational Antibody that Binds Tau Oligomers and Inhibits Pathological Seeding by Extracts from Donors with Alzheimer's Disease. The first author is Abscaron, and the last author is Eisenberg, and this one was published in the Journal of Biological Chemistry. So I apologize in advance, this abstract summary is a little bit of a long one, but there's lots of information there. The authors developed a tau model in vitro using an ionic liquid to induce recombinant tau oligomers. In a dot-blot assay, they identified a monoclonal antibody, M204, that binds to oligomeric tau, but not to tau monomers or fibrils. They tested M204 attached to an engineered single-chain variable fragment, which I will be referring to as M204SCFV. They tested this against tau aggregation in the IL-induced model and in pathological extracts from donors with AD and CTE. What they found is that these two compounds inhibited seeding in both models. Crystal structure analysis showed that M204SCFV can take on multiple oligomeric forms to inhibit pathogenic seeding of tau. Interestingly, the ability of this compound to bind and inhibit seeding in tissue extracts from donors are varied among individuals. The authors suggest that this may indicate the existence of distinct amyloid polymorphs. Hmm, that's pretty interesting. Results here show that M204-SCFV has potential both as an early diagnostic tool 
and a guide for therapeutic antibodies for AD and other tauopathies. Our next paper is titled Circular Dichroism Spectroscopy Identifies the Beta Adrenoceptor Agonist Salbutamol as a Direct Inhibitor of Tau Filament Formation in Vitro. And this one was by first author Townsend, last author Middleton, published in the journal ACS Chemical Neuroscience. High throughput synchrotron radiation circular dichroism, which is also known by the much easier to say uh, HTSRCD, can be used to monitor structural changes in a protein as it assembles into filaments. Here, the authors use this technique as a novel tool to screen 88 compounds in vitro for their ability to inhibit tau aggregation. Epinephrine, which you've probably heard of, was found to be the most effective tau aggregation inhibitor of all the compounds tested. That's interesting. It's always nice when you actually have heard of some of these compounds, which really hasn't been the case for me for most of these abstracts. (laughs) From this finding, they tested chemically similar phenolamine compounds from the beta-adrenergic receptor agonist class. They identified the compounds salbutamol and dobutamine and found that they could also impede the aggregation of tau in vitro. Both of these compounds reduced the rate and yield of tau filament formation, but only salbutamol inhibited tau's structural change into pro-aggregating beta sheets. All in all, these results encourage in vivo studies on beta-adrenergic receptor agonists as a potential therapy for AD. Moving on to a paper called Structural and Biochemical Investigation of MARK4 MARK4 Inhibitory Potential of Cholic Acid towards therapeutic implication in neurodegenerative diseases. First author is Anwar, and the last author is Hassan, and the journal is International Journal of Biological Macromolecules. Microtubule affinity regulating kinase, which is also called MARC4, is involved in the phosphorylation of tau protein and is thus associated with AD. Here, the authors investigated the binding affinity and the MARC4 inhibitory ability of cholic acid, which I'll be referring to as CHA. They investigated this using computational and spectroscopic analysis. Computational models suggest a strong and stable binding interaction between MARC4 and CHA, and that CHA can strongly inhibit MARC4 activity. These findings provide strong rationale to continue to investigate CHA as a therapy targeting MARC4 to treat AD. Next up, we have a paper that targets the gene expression of tau. It's called Development of Novel Chemically Modified Nucleic Acid Molecules for Efficient Inhibition of Human MAPT MAPT, gene expression. The first author is Chakravarthi, and the last author is Vidu. And this one is published in the journal Genes. It's been hypothesized that reduction of MAPT, MAPT, which encodes tau, could be a a possible strategy to combat AD and other tauopathies. Reducing MAPT would result in depolymerizing neurofibrillary tangles. The authors developed novel DNA zymes and splice-modulating antisense oligonucleotides, which I'll call ASOs, that targeted various exons across the gene transcript to inhibit MAPT. 
a DNA zyme targeting exon 13 and an ASO targeting exon 4 down-regulated MAPT RNA expression, and ASO4 also reduced MAPT protein levels. These results indicate that ASO4, which is the ASO that they use in this study, can be used as a potential therapy to inhibit MAPT as a strategy for treating AD and other tauopathies. Interesting. They are currently using ASOs actually to target the Huntington protein in Huntington's disease as well. So it definitely seems like a a promising um, therapeutic route for neurodegenerative diseases. Last up in this section, we have the paper LRP FLAG, which is spelled LRP colon colon FLAG, reduces phosphorylated tau levels in Alzheimer's disease cell culture models. First author, Cutler, last author, Weiss, or Weiss, and the journal is the Journal of Alzheimer's Disease. Telomerase activity is significantly reduced in AD. Recently, it has been discovered that this 3767 kilodalton laminin receptor, which I'll be calling LRPLR, interacts with telomerase and is implicated in A-beta pathology. The authors here hypothesize that since both LRPLR and telomerase play a role in A-beta pathology, they may also play a role in the tau aspect of AD. So they use confocal microscopy and fluorescence lifetime imaging to see if LRPLR and tau interact. They overexpressed LRP flag in HEC cells and SHS5Y cells, and they found that LRPLR and tau co-localize and have direct interactions. In addition, LRP flag decreased total phosphorylated tau and a related protein. So overall, they conclude that in addition to having interactions with A-beta, LRPLP has direct interactions with tau, and LRP flag can possibly decrease phosphorylated tau levels to treat AD. Now we'll talk about new drugs targeting signaling of the cholinergic system. Neurotransmitter signaling is more up my alley in research, so I'm looking forward to telling you about these papers. Starting with structure-based discovery of dual target hits for acetylcholinesterase and the alpha-7 nicotinic acetylcholine receptors in silico studies and in vitro confirmation. The journal is Molecules, the first author is Odson, and the last author is Ball. As you may know already, therapies to treat AD have targeted acetylcholine signaling in a variety of ways. They've investigated both inhibiting acetylcholinesterase and activating the alpha-7 nicotinic acetylcholine receptor. These authors wondered, what about doing both at the same time? In light of the recent emphasis on multi-target approaches, using computational chemistry methods, the authors performed a screen of a virtual compound library of almost 4 million drug-like and commercially available compounds. They identified 57 compounds that potentially act on both protein targets, and this was further narrowed down to 16 candidates. In vitro validation by Elman's method, which is a way to measure cholinesterase activity, and electrophysiology were performed. Out of these candidates, one with a name that I uh, really don't know how to pronounce, it's Y semicolon MIR-2. This one showed the desired activity profile for both protein targets, making it the first reported compound with this effect. This study validates the feasibility of in silico approaches for identifying novel multi-target compounds for therapy. 
Next up, we have a paper looking at a drug source from a plant. It's called Norditerpenoids with Selective Anticholinesterase Activity from the Roots of Perovskia atriplicifolia benth. And sorry about my pronunciation of those words. The journal is the International Journal of Molecular Science. First author is Sluzarczyk, and last author is Matkowski. Inspired by a previous discovery that diterpenoids from the Perovskia atriplicifolia and other plant species can have anticholinesterase properties, these authors test the acetylcholinesterase and butyryl cholinesterase inhibition properties of four natural compounds from this genus of plants. Three of these compounds exhibited significant butyryl cholinesterase inhibition activity, but had a weaker inhibition effect on acetylcholinesterase. All of the, the compounds selectively inhibited butyryl cholinesterase, but only two of the four compounds could moderately inhibit acetylcholinesterase. These studies show that nordipronoids isolated from this plant are selective butyl cholinesterase inhibitors and may have potential to be useful for the development of a drug against dementia. Now we have a paper titled Discovery of a Selective 6-Hydroxy-1-4-Diazepam-2-1 Containing Butyryl Cholinesterase Inhibitor by Virtual Screening and MMGBSA Rescoring. First author is Zhu Hershu, and last author is Sun, and this one is published in the journal Dose Response. Butyryl cholinesterase is coming up a lot, so I'm going to be calling it BCHE from now on. Currently, BCHE inhibitors are one of the most effective therapeutic strategies for treating late-stage AD. Here, the authors use a structure-based virtual screen and in silico molecular mechanic analysis of two separate nervous system targeting drug libraries to identify novel selective BCHE inhibitors. Their screen identified compound 5, which is a highly selective low micromolar BCHE inhibitor. Compound 5 was then further characterized using binding mode prediction and kinetic analysis. The findings here can provide a reference chemical for developing selective BCHE inhibitors. Okay, bear with me on this next one. The title is a bit of a mouthful. Pleurotus austriatus and lentinus subnutus supplemented diets restored altered acetylcholinesterase and butyrylcholinesterase activities and improve antioxidant status in transgenic Drosophila melanogaster model. The first author is Agen Loy, last author is Falade, and the journal is the Journal of Dietary Supplements. So in Nigeria, where the authors of the study are from, two fungi, Pleurotus austriatus and Lentinus subnutus, have been used for the management of AD, despite little scientific backing. The authors here look into the neuroprotective properties of these uh, fungi in a transgenic Drosophila model. So again, I'll be referring to acetylcholinesterase as ACHE and butyrylcholinesterase as BCHE. So in the study, they looked at ACHE and BCHE activity, reactive oxygen species, and malondialdehyde, MDA, levels in flies raised on a diet supplemented with these fungi. Flies raised with the supplement had a significantly re reduced ACHE and BCHE activity, 
and had decreased reactive oxygen species and MDA levels compared to the no supplement controls. Of the two, the second fungi I mentioned, L. subnutus, performed better. These results show that these two fungi have potential anti-AD properties, and their effects seem to be through ACHE and BCHE inhibition. So the next paper is actually on the same theme of inhibiting both uh, acetylcholinesterase and butyrylcholinesterase, so ACHE and BCHE. It's called Computational Exploration and Experimental Validation to Identify a Dual Inhibitor of Cholinesterase and Amyloid Beta for the Treatment of Alzheimer's Disease. First author is Tripathi, and the last author is Srivastava, and the journal is the Journal of Computer-Aided Molecular Design. The authors here use virtual screening and molecular docking analysis to identify novel compounds that can act as inhibitors of ACHE and BCHE. They identified three possible candidates and narrowed it down to one called JFD03947. You'll have to check out the paper for more information, but um, to narrow this down to this candidate, they looked at molecular mechanics generalized Born surface area. In vitro studies suggest that JFD03947, the candidate that they narrowed it down to, displays a mixed type of inhibition on both ACHE and BCHE, and also has anti-A-beta aggregation activity. Wow, it sounds very useful for AD uh, treatment. This compound also showed neuroprotective properties in the SHSY5Y neuroblastoma cell line model. Yet another computational modeling study is next. It's called a multi-layered variable selection strategy for QSAR, QSAR modeling of butyryl cholinesterase inhibitors. First author is Kumar and the last author is Roy, and this one is published in Current Topics in Medicinal Chemistry. The authors here performed an analysis of BCHE inhibitors from, uh, from over a thousand diverse chemical classes of compounds known to have defined BCHE inhibition activity. They developed a 2D QSAR model supplemented with a multi-layered selection strategy using various stepwise regression-based analyses. The developed model suggested that hydrophobic features and amino and hydrazine fragments promoting hydrogen bond interactions could increase BCHE inhibitory activity. All in all, the novel analysis using QSAR models can identify key ligand features beneficial for future BCHE inhibitor design. The next paper is Spiroheterocyclic Compounds as Potential Anti-Alzheimer Agents, Part 2, Their Metal Chelation Capacity, POM Analyses, and DFT Studies. Wow, I've never seen a, a paper that actually has Part 2 in the title, but I'm guessing there's a Part 1 for this paper out there as well. The journal is Medical Chemistry, and the first author is Hada, last author is Malik. The authors here look into spiroheterocyclic compounds as possible AD therapies. Um, I had to brush up on my organic chemistry to figure out what spiro compounds are, which honestly brought back some bad memories from my undergrad. But uh, these are compounds with at least two molecular rings connected by one atom. The compounds used in this study were identified based on their metal chelation capacity, acetylcholinesterase and inhibitory activity, POM, and DFT studies, which you can read about more in the original paper if you're interested. 
The spiral compounds synthesized in the study displayed none or lower than 50% inhibition against acetylcholinesterase and butyrylcholinesterase, except for one compound, which was the most active molecule with pretty high inhibition towards BCHE. A separate compound had high metal chelation capacity. Molecular docking models identified that key interactions with ACHE and BCHE are related to hydrophobic hydrogen bonds and positive ionizable interactions. Altogether, these findings suggest that there's some promise for spiral compounds as ACHE and BCHE inhibitors. Okay, moving away from the cholinergic system, when we come back, we'll talk about a paper on targeting metabolism in the treatment of AD. Okay, we're back. So this paper is titled Brain Metabolomics Study for the Protective Effects of Rhodiola Crenulata Extract on Alzheimer's disease by HPLC coupled with Fourier transform ion cyclotron resonance mass spectrometry. So I hope you got all that. That was a long title. First author is Lee and last author is Han. This one is in the Journal of Separation Science. Here the authors looked at the protective effects of Rhodiola crenulata extract, a flowering plant in Alzheimer's disease, by looking at the brain metabolism of rats. Rat hippocampus was injected with amyloid beta peptides, and histochemistry was done to view the pharmacological effect of this extract. 19 metabolites that contribute to AD were identified, and the drug restored 9 of these to normal levels. They saw that the presence of the extract had protective effects by regulating glutathione and arachidonic acid metabolisms in the rat brain. Further research will reveal whether this extract could be used in the treatment of AD. The following two papers are on targeting microglia and inflammation in AD. First, we have methyl jasmonite or jasmonate protects microglial cells against beta amyloid induced oxidative stress and inflammation via NRF2 dependent HO1 pathway. First author is Lee, and last author is Shi. And the, the journal is Neuropsychiatric Disease Treatment. In this study, the authors studied methyl jasmonate, an organic compound that plants use to, for self-defense and in their developmental pathways. They wanted to know how this compound affects amyloid beta-induced microglial inflammation. Microglia inflammation was caused by adding amyloid beta to a mi- microglial cell line, and apoptosis or cell death rates were measured in the absence and presence of methyl jasmonate. As the authors expected, oxidative stress levels and apoptosis cytokines were lower in the microglial group that had methyl jasmonate compared to the group that did not. When the researchers knocked down NFR2, antioxidative stress factors such as HO1 and SOD, SOD were downregulated in the group with methyl jasmonate. The authors concluded that methyl jasmine activates the NRF2-HO1 pathway, and this relieves amyloid beta-induced oxidative stress and inflammation. Our next paper is titled, Reversal of Beta-Amyloid-Induced Microglial Toxicity in Vitro by Activation of FPR23. The journal is Oxidative Medical Cell Longevity, and the first author is Wickstead. 
Last author is MacArthur. Similar to the previous study that we talked about, the authors here focused on studying inflammation resulting from amyloid beta accumulation. But here, what the researchers focused on was how to terminate this inflammatory reaction as a potential therapeutic approach. They showed that formal peptide receptor 2, or FPR2, could be targeted to reduce microglial activation and the resulting inflammation. Using murine microglial cells, they studied the effect of QC1, which is a ligand of FPR2, on amyloid beta-induced inflammation. They saw that oxidative stress caused by amyloid beta was reversed in the presence of QC1. Very cool! Future studies will reveal whether this is a viable treatment for AD. The next four studies are under the topic of targeting mitochondria and oxidative stress. The first one explores the use of vitamin E in AD treatment. It's called Comparative Effects of Alpha and Gamma Tosopherol on Mitochondrial Functions in Alzheimer's Disease in Vitro Model. First author is Pavrudin Arazi, last author is Macbull, and the journal is Scientific Reports. This group compared the impact of two of the most widely used forms of vitamin E, alpha-tosopherol, which I'll be calling AFT, and gamma-tosopherol, GFT. They compared these on their ability to reduce amyloid beta levels, modulate mitochondrial function, and reduce apoptosis or cell death. They mention a lot, and I mean a lot, of methods and results in the abstract, so I'm just going to highlight a few notable results here. In the SHSY5Y cells that express mutant APP, mitochondrial reactive oxygen species levels were elevated, and ATP and complex V enzyme activities were reduced. Both AFT and GFT were able to reduce the elevated mitochondrial reactive oxygen species, especially at high AFT and GFT concentrations. Only GFT was able to increase the ATP levels and complex V enzyme activity. Treatment with GFT also reduced expression of procaspases 3, of procaspase 3, suggestive of its role in Alzheimer's disease. Check out the paper or even just the abstract, which you can find in the timestamp bibliography if you want more info on their results. The next paper is on another plant-derived compound. The title is Plant-Derived Natural Biomolecule Pycian Attenuates Menadione-Induced Oxidative Stress on Neuroblastoma Cell Mitochondria. The journal is Antioxidants. First author is Kisari, and last author is Ruokolainen. Historically, willow bark has been an important source of salicylic acid and other compounds with anti-inflammatory, antipyretic, and analgesic properties. This study looked at one of those compounds, which I'm not sure if I pronounced it right in the title, but it's spelled P-I-C-E-I-N, so I'm pronouncing it Piscean. Um, and this is known as a natural secondary metabolite antioxidant, and they looked at its role in neuroprotection. Neuroblastoma cells were treated by a free radical generator, medianone, or also called MQ. This increased reactive oxygen species levels and mitochondrial superoxide production, but treatment with Piscean was able to decrease these levels. Therefore, it was concluded that Piscean has neuroprotective effects by reducing oxidative stress on mitochondria. 
The next paper in this section is titled, Esculetin as a Bifunctional Antioxidant Prevents and Counteracts the Oxidative Stress and Neuronal Death Induced by Amyloid Protein in SHSY5Y Cells. This one is published in the journal Antioxidants by first author Prucoli and last author Tarosi. In this study, the authors looked at a natural coumarin, which is a new word for me, and I've learned that this is an aromatic organical chemical compound. So this coumarin, this compound, is called esculetin or ESC. The authors wanted to know how ESC could prevent and counteract reactive oxygen species formation in neuronal cells. They showed that ESC increased the resistance of SHSY5Y cells against oxidative stress by activating NRF2 and increasing GASH. They showed that ESC increased the resistance of these cells against oxidative stress by activating NRF2 and increasing glutathione. ESC could also protect cells against oxidative stress that occurred by oligomers A1-A2 peptides. These results support further research in the use of ESC as a novel neuroprotective agent with antioxidant properties. The next one in this section is called Lysopene alleviates oxidative stress via the PI3K AKT NRF2 pathway in a cell model of Alzheimer's disease. The first author is Fang and the last author is Guo and this one is published in the journal PeerJ. So this study, again, was focused on oxidative stress reduction in the context of AD. They used lycopene, a pigment with potent antioxidant and antitumor effects. They wanted to investigate the role of lycopene in a cell model of Alzheimer's disease. Cells that overexpressed amyloid beta were treated with lycopene. Lycopene decreased oxidative stress and apoptosis induced by amyloid beta. It activated the P13K AKT, NRF2 pathway, and it upregulated antioxidant and anti-apoptopic properties. Lycopene decreased oxidative stress and apoptosis induced by amyloid beta, activated the PI3K, AKT, NRF2 signaling pathway, and upregulated antioxidant and, and anti-apoptotic proteins. Lots of things that it did there. It also downregulated pro-apoptotic proteins, and it reduced the expression of beta secretase in cells. Yet another possible compound for use in AD treatment. We've made it to the last paper for today. And honestly, this one was a bit of a hard episode for me. There was definitely a lot of complex topics that some of which were out of my field of expertise. In this one, last paper, the authors test the effects of activating autophagy in the AD context titled Prolonged Tau Clearance and Stress Vulnerability Rescued by Pharmacological Activation of Autophagy in Tauopathy Neurons. This is in Nature Communications. First author is Silva and the last author is Hagerty. As I mentioned, the authors explored autophagy in this study. They wanted to see if autophagy could be used as a way to reduce tau burden in human patient iPSC-derived neuronal models. They also did a small molecular screen and found three mTOR inhibitors that could robustly downregulate phosphorylated and insoluble tau. They found that mTOR-C1 inhibition and autophagy activity were directly linked to tau clearance. 
They report that a single-dose treatment led to reduced tau levels and toxicity for 12 days. The abstract didn't go into much detail, so you'll need to check out the paper, as I've said many times today, for more info on their methods and results if you're interested. And that brings us to the end of part two of novel drug development. If you haven't already, check out part one, as well as our preclinical and clinical testing episodes, if you want to hear more about AD treatment development. Part three and four of novel drug development will be hosted by Joseph and coming out very soon, so keep your eye out for that. Now, I'll leave you with a few words from Sarah to wrap up the episode. Goodbye! That's it for this episode. A huge thank you to the team that is working on sorting, summarizing, and scripting these abstracts, as well as the operations behind Aminder. The music is from Journey of a Neurotransmitter by Anusha Kamesh, musician and fellow scientist, and now member of the Aminder team. You can find the original piece and her other music on SoundCloud under Anusha Kamesh or on her YouTube channel, AK Music. Interested in joining the team? Give us a shout! We can always use help with content development, podcast editing, advertising, and you can be part of a new and exciting venture. Reach us by email at aminderpodcast at gmail.com or follow us on Twitter. Oh, we're also on Facebook now. Don't forget to subscribe to our mailing list if you want access to the bibliography for each of our episodes. The references come with timestamps. Hmm, timestamps. So you can more easily locate the paper that caught your interest. Check our notes below for details on how to sign up. And very close to this, you'll also find a link to our feedback survey. Because, yeah, your feedback matters to us. So please, pretty please, let us know how we can make this podcast a better tool for you. And last but not least, thank you for tuning in with us. And on this note, we hope you found our podcast useful and accessible. Until next time.